Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues. We're going to wrap up North Dakota today with a Something different. Instead of a musician, we're going to talk to a recording studio, and we're going to visit with Tyler Pilot from Red Dot Recording. After I talk about a friend of mine, that's uh, he won't call himself a luthier. I call him a luthier, and he says he can't be called that because I guess there's certain certifications. But it's a friend of mine in Tecumseh, Kansas. All right, in the little town of Kansas called Tecumseh, you're going to find Monkey House Guitars. Monkey House Guitars is a small made-to-order guitar shop. If you can think it, they can build it. Some of the most beautiful handmade guitars you'll ever see, meticulously designed and crafted for your specifications. Nothing by machine, hand-laid frets, everything routed, sanded in the shop at Monkey House Guitars. The Multiverse Guitar, for example, singularly one of the most innovative and interesting guitars I've ever seen being made. And you can actually watch it being made through photos available on Facebook, all at the hands of Mike Thompson, again, He's an amazing artisan. I call him a luthier. He says he can't be called a luthier, so I guess there are certain stipulations for that. But uh, And as a side note, as the year goes on, just keep this in mind. We all know cancer sucks, right? Mike Thompson of Monkey House Guitars has recently felt the touch of what that disease can do to anyone who has had a friend or loved one go through the rigors and sorrows of cancer. So when thinking about charities to support, when you're thinking about benefits to do this year, think of Mike Thompson and Monkey House Guitars in the Music of America podcast, we're all asking you, please consider benefit or some sort for the American Cancer Society. And please check them out. Monkey House, all one word, Monkey House Guitars, Tecumseh, Kansas. If you think it, they can build it. I'm really excited about this. Our, our next guest is, uh, well, Tyler Pilot. I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know the story behind the last name. <laughs> There's a story there, I guess. But There, uh, there is a story, yeah. It's actually uh, super simple, but okay. we could chat about it in a second. Keep going, man. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, Sorry. that's okay. Jump in. That's what this is. This <laughs> uh, is. A... So, so okay. And the the story basically just comes down to, um, this actually will go into some backstory that I'm sure you'll ask about. A million years ago, I was in a bunch of bands, a few bands, and um, we had some opportunities. We had some things that went well. Some things like for all bands kind of didn't go great. Um, and somebody spotted us and they're like, you guys are amazing. You're going to be the best thing ever. Uh, we can't wait for you guys to blow up the music world and make things different. Cool. We were like in the middle of North Dakota. I don't know why my, uh, browser just gave us a noise. My apologies about that. Um, in the middle, sorry about that. In the middle of North Dakota where, um, there's not a ton of love for punk rock and for fast music and, um, at least at that time, uh, in the town I was in, they kind of just didn't have any tolerance at all for original music. Yeah. Somebody found us and was like, you guys are awesome. Let's tour here. Let's tour here. Come do this. So we played a bunch of shows and uh, people and <laughs> everywhere else liked us and um, people around here didn't like us as much. Um, eventually, as happens with bands, is some of the guys in the bands kind of got older, got a little, got families and kids and all those sorts of things. And I kind of kept wanting to make more music. Yeah. Uh, I, my ambitions were to be ambitious with music rather than uh, kind of do music as like a hobby. Anyway, a hobby, right. um, 
I ended up starting a band called Don't Worry, I'm a Pilot. And so then I started playing. The whole idea with that I with that with that band was I'm gonna write these songs and I'm gonna write them on an acoustic guitar and I'm gonna produce them as um full band things, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of where I started producing, which we'll get to in a little bit, I'm sure. But produce them as full band things and then find some membership, like some ba- some people who wants want to play in this band and say, I'm going to say yes to every opportunity. If you guys can get on board, great. If you can't, that's cool. Uh, I don't need permanent uh, yeses from everyone for everything all the time. If I get a Tuesday in some town 200 miles south of here and it makes sense for me to go do it, I'll go do it. And it's just going to be an acoustic show. And if you guys can show up, great. We'll have me and you can play drums or keyboard. Great. You'll play drums and then we'll do that two person thing or uh-huh. oh, all six of us can show up to the thing. Great. Let's do a full band thing. I'll play bass that night, whatever. That was the plan. That's that's really cool. There's a, a, a spot, in, just an order real quick. There's a sponsor of ours called Flash Jam that's in Colorado, and they're just getting started. But the, the whole concept is to sell the Flash Jam concept, the bars. And then you have, like, we're going to all do uh, Bad Moon Rising by Credence, okay? You want to play drums on it. I want to sing on it. Mike wants to play bass, and John wants to play guitar on it. So we learn our parts, but we don't know each other. Right. And then we show up at the bar. And we do the song, but we've learned cool. it's a cool idea. And it's, it's That's like, a cool idea. It's kind of, kind of, sounds kind of like what you were doing anyway. With S- test, uh, yeah. Test. Don't worry about pilot. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, but more like uh, it was going to be a, a concentrated group of musicians and it, we would just kind of commit to doing the full show with one yeah. lineup. But either way, um, it turns out that, and I, I understand this completely. This is a, the, I a, agree and I understand this feeling. Uh, a lot of people, at least in my circle of musicians that I knew at that time, did not like the idea of completely turning over ownership of the entire song to one person going, you make the song, then we'll show up and interpret what you've done. Yeah. They didn't feel that good about it. And they didn't didn't like the idea that they weren't necessary, which I completely understand. Yeah. My whole goal was to make sure that I could play, I could say yes to everything because I got tired, tired of having to say no a lot. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to say yes to everything. And then, um, yeah, basically just I couldn't find the right membership who was also had similar paths to where they needed things to fill in like that. Didn't work out. But over the course of doing a bunch of shows, um, a lot of solo shows and a couple small, I think, duos maybe, um, people started calling me Tyler Pilot because my last name uh is a nightmare to read and to pronounce so um yeah tyler pilot is how that stuck and it's been one of those things like i don't you were probably not going to include any of this on the podcast but we talked about a little bit a little bit about marketing which is a big thing for bands um somebody else was basically doing my marketing for me at that point they they told me what I was to the market. You are a Tyler Pilot, and we know you as Tyler Pilot. And it would have been dumb for me to be, no, guys, I am not Tyler Pilot. I am Tyler something you're never going to remember. Right, right. Tyler Tyler Pilot is what I kind of just stuck with because I just leaned into it. It wasn't it wasn't inaccurate. As, as an artist name goes, I've used other worse pseudonyms before, so I guess that worked out great. So I, I, um, had, a, I had a little book called Up Your Ass and Aphorisms, okay? Mm. It was if well, the, the, the whole title was if God had meant man to fly, he'd have given him wings, or and you open it up up to your ass and aphorisms. And one of the aphorisms in there was it's easier to ride the horse in the direction he is going, you know? Yeah, 
So if, if you're Tyler pilot and you're Tyler pilot, well, you know, why yeah. try and change it? That's working, you know? Right. That's exactly it. And so, um, those songs, it, they didn't, they caught on locally as in people liked them. And, uh, -huh. uh it seems like because people ask me to do things a lot, but also, uh, it was, um, the, I'll call it denouement, denouement, if you want to French that up, uh, yeah. um, of me coming out of my like aggressive punk rock phase, which I still love that stuff, but I just don't typically write in that way anymore. Kind yeah. of almost like finding myself in this nearly alt country phase. And I think I, the songs were written well. I think the execution of those songs was not necessarily what people were looking for from that sound of a, that sound of a song, I guess maybe the, the idea, like, so me coming out and like that, having that a pretty, that particular sound of that particular genre, you know, maybe yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit. And yeah. like, and I, I have this kind of, when I sing, which I, I sound, my speaking voice is gratingly nasal. Unfortunately, when I sing, it doesn't get much better. Um, but what it does do is it uh, grabs people's attention and is kind of annoying. Turns out when you're an acoustic solo act and people are booking you to play originals at that places, about half the time they want you to be not annoying. And they don't necessarily <laughs> want you to be on stage commanding people's attention. They kind of want you to blend in the background. I don't have that blend in the background sound. No. I just, just because I just don't. Um, and some of my favorite people that I know uh, musicians that I know are able to kind of like turn a switch between uh, I'm going, you're, you're going to look at me and you can't look away and, Oh no, this is my role in this particular situation is to blend in and be a part of the ambiance and be a part of the mood and the vibe of the scene. I don't need to be the, the thing on stage jumping and spinning and yelling at you about i don't whatever. know whatever it might whatever. have been yeah whatever it might have been at that time it was a million different things but uh it was a lot of things you know um so i found that my brand of uh of chaos was too chaotic for about half of the people that wanted me to do it so uh i, I just i love that notion my brand of chaos it sounds like a great name for a band first of all <laughs> I, I yeah um uh yeah, yeah. There's, I, I'll maybe I'll tell you about some band names I have in my back pocket later. Uh, yeah. I can't tell everybody else because eventually somebody will take them. But, somebody will take um, them, right? Yeah, there's a there's a really great one. But uh, yeah, so that brings me to I guess where this whole producing thing kind of starts up is in the in the starting of that band. I was kind of just tasked with. All right, you got to make these songs, and I'm a, like I'm not like an old guy, but I'm like a little bit older than I'm, I'm like forty. Uh -huh. Like so, I come from a musical era in which, um, it was really difficult to do to make a recording. You had to pay somebody who had special knowledge and special gear, and then somewhere along the way, that changed, which is cool but I kind of just didn't realize it. And then, so I started, like, I just hadn't used any of the tools, hadn't done any of that stuff. And then I'm like, I'm not waiting around. I'm just going to make this, these songs. I'm just going to make these records. And I started doing it and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then other people heard it and they were like, oh, that's cool. Can you do that for us? And then 
that's how this whole thing started. Yeah. Um, looking a million years before that, I was the guy who could figure out how to set a PA up. I was the guy who like, when other people's shows sounded bad, they would call me and go, Hey, can you make us sound better? Like, you knew yeah, how to I, fix I could, the room. You fixed. The yeah, room. yeah. I could, I could, I could make things work um, right. and make things sound decent, which was, which was a cool thing. And yeah. so um, on top of that though, I, I, I could never figure out why I was always very annoying to bandmates. And I eventually did because I started annoying people in my studio. Um, <laughs> uh, when I would be at practices with bandmates, I realize this story is very meandering and kind of all over the place, but it all ties up eventually. This is the origin story of me making records, I guess. Um, uh, I would be in rehearsals and I'd be with this band and we would be working on some of our own songs or there's a couple of bands that were cover bands and those sorts of things. And we'd get to the end of the song and I go, all right, cool. Um, can we run that bridge again? Uh, I think there was a, we missed a transition and I think that dynamic there could get bigger. It could get smaller. And they're like, Tyler, we just, we played the song twice, man. We don't have a show right away. Can we just move on to the next song? And I'm looking at it going, I drove a hundred miles for this rehearsal and I don't want to leave this rehearsal and not have made this song better. We're not, right. I, I don't come to rehearsal to keep my hands able to play guitar or bass or keep my vocal up to chop like I, like other people were doing. I was, I was doing that the rest of the week at home with my instruments or with my, with my voice. Mm -hmm. I was going to rehearsal to take this idea of the song and make the song the most emotionally impactful as I could, like as emotionally impactful as I could. Better way to say it. Um, make these songs as emotionally impactful as I could. And so we would get to this coming out of the bridge and the last chorus, it is, we just roll right in the last chorus. Well, what if we, what if we do something? What if we do something? How do we change this to make this last chorus pay off more? Because so far it's not paying off for me as an example. And, uh, I was the one that would have the ideas and yeah. sometimes other guys would have the ideas and we would hear it out and we go, yeah, let's try that. Let's try that. Let's try that. Let's try that. But we'd get to the end of it and I go, okay, cool. Let's run the song again. <sighs> the rest of the band's like, Oh no. <laughs> uh, so what it ha what it turns out I was doing, I've been doing this whole time. I've been essentially producing these songs, going into this song, and looking at these individual pieces and going, how do we make this song pay off more? And for bandmates, it looks like I was just annoying them and making them play the song for a third time in a row or the fourth time in a row or the sixth time in a row. But really, I was investigating the song and we were finding the, a better execution of the song. And um, sometimes that would mean that we rearrange the practice space and be like, hey, guys, I'm not, I don't think we're all hearing each other well. Can you move here? I'll move here. And eventually one of my bands went to like a headphone practice system. So the drummer had like an electronic kit and the guitar player and the other or the bass player and my guitars and the vocals were all plugged in through varying ways into a thing that doesn't exist anymore called the Jam Hub, uh -huh. which was a pretty cool thing. If anyone's got one of those, uh, I remember the Count Jam Your Lucky Hub, Stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, you could get like a four and like a five and like an eight or something like that it was an eight i remember an eight, yeah yeah and those were cool and uh yeah that band got a lot better when we were able to hear ourselves like and you that. can hear and, yourself yep and so that that's that was the big issue is people weren't hearing themselves so or and 
hearing everyone else more importantly so like they, they didn't really know how the song was adding up and i guess i was just orienting my spell myself in the right spot all the time during these um yeah. during these rehearsals i was like finding myself where i could like it when i was playing bass in a band i would find myself where i could feel the kick drum and hear the amp the guitar amp and hear the vocal and when i was playing guitars i was like maybe oriented in a way that was like allowing me to hear the the other guitars top end where I, or mid-range i was able to interact with it and those sorts of things i was always mixing every project with my head whereas standing in yeah. the room i was always producing every project by just like working the songs and looking for the best ways to kind of fulfill the the idea of the song that was written and like really pay off the emotionally pay off the song i want to interject like, something here because i'm go for this, it sorry i'm going thing. long rants it, uh it's the it's the red bull or whatever yeah <laughs> the monster drinks yeah no, uh, no what it, happens when i talk to a lot of song songwriters okay and songwriters i i am thoroughly convinced that there are forces out there called songs and they use human beings as conduit and not all human beings are that conduit okay right but they speak to certain people and they just have a way of using that conduit to get those things put out onto a piece of paper and into words and then sung or spoken or read or written or whatever you have the same thing going on with you but it's sound instead of words instead of lyrics it's like it's, a muse yeah. for sound right and, and i agree 100 percent, and that's exactly the sort of ways not ex especially specifically in that way but that's exactly the sort of way that i kind of approach what would eventually become producing bands and stuff like that and so is like, the approach i take i take still when a, a band approaches you and says can you produce us do you hear what they have to say hear what they're saying musically or do you just say yeah let's get into it and let's get to work I um my my instinct is to say I would absolutely love to let's take a listen and be, because I'm always I have found so many really great songs and so many really great artists in places that I wouldn't have looked for them I guess is a good way to say it uh -huh. people that have contacted me that said hey I'm just we don't even play out we just want to do this thing and I'm like yes absolutely let's make this piece of art uh, and so my instinct is to say yes and take a listen to everything I possibly can. Uh -huh. Sometimes I'm not the right fit. Uh, I'm not the I'm not absolutely not the right fit for everyone. I have a lot of ideas and I have a lot of kind of things that I like that fulfilling their goals are maybe not exactly what I do. Um, but uh, my goal is to always help people pull off what they're trying to do. And so if I listen to it and I'm a good fit and I, we have some chats about what are we trying to do? Where do we go? What's the expectation of this? Here's the sorts of things I like. What do you like? What do you sound like? What do you want to sound like? Where are we mm -hmm. going? With this? We have those discussions and um, we listen to the songs and we talk about the songs and um, yeah, if it works out, it works out and we, and we go from there. I think a thing that maybe uh makes me a little bit less hireable if we want to call it that of a producer mixer engineer whatever you want to call it is i do like to dig into the songs a lot yeah. of artists really like to have their songs just made for them right hey i've got this song we're going to come in with a band 
let's play the song a couple times, then you can uh, shoot us a quick mix and that'll be great. Some people are very good at that and really like doing that sort of thing. That's not necessarily what I love to do. I don't love to just go, yep, hands off. I'm going to put some mics up and I'm going to balance the faders and then yeah. send it off. Yeah. And send it off and, and just give you, I realize what I'm saying. I don't want to just give you what you want, but what I do is I want to give you the, I want to work with the people who want to give the world the best version the of the audience. They have. Right. And absolutely. And the, the artists that I talk to consistently say this about their producer that it's like having another band member that cares. Right. You know, and if you don't, if you don't get out of that studio, you know, right. If this guy doesn't want to involve himself in your music, or if you're that possessive of your sound, get out, get out. Right. Because you need that. You need that guy that's going to lock in on that feel, lock in on that emotion, lock in on that message. And, and even just lock in on what you actually sound like to a listener, because to a, to a band member who's playing a guitar, when you guys get to the other riff, the riff that's kind of hard to play, it feels so sick to pull off that riff because it's so hard. You've been working on it for like two weeks and you finally got it and you just ripped it and everyone's like, yeah, got it. And then um, I have to be the guy sometimes that says, yeah, that's cool. That is really cool. What a cool achievement of playing ability. And it doesn't fit. <laughs> doesn't do anything for the song right or we need to find something else that goes with that to be the center of attention we need to find a vocal line we need to find a lead line we need to right. find something that highlights something to make that, that ties it all together well, absolutely yeah. yeah and so i realize this has just turned into a big long uh kind of sprawling rant my apologies this that's is what, what it is. is like. That's what the show is man i love it uh but i'm gonna reel it in now because we've got specific songs we're gonna talk about Yes, and, and there's a reason why, like you sent me a half a dozen songs from which to choose, and I don't like to do that because then right. I don't want to come back and bite me in the ass saying, well, why did we do this and not this? So we talked right before the show, and we narrowed it down to three, and they're three entirely different songs, entirely different styles, which is really cool. Yeah. And it's important for people that are hiring a producer like Red Dot Recording, you know, right. that you are that versatile. You don't just do Christian rock. You don't just do death metal rap, you know? right oh it's 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 did really like up those, to, did you like those two examples <laughs> death metal rap okay this is not for this is not for the show yeah it is. It's, it's, we're rolling man <laughs> oh man you say death metal rap i just heard a song this is not a local small band sort of thing okay. i just heard a song the other day it's called that's from a band called alpha wolf they teamed up with ice tea oh you're kidding and they they just released like a, a new um like it sounds like a early 2000s new metal song and it's got some rap on it and it's got ice tea kind of yeah. kind of just talking in the back anyway that's not what we're talking about here but if you if somebody out there needs to hear rap metal there, there Go you for are it. the new song from alpha wolf um well the first yeah. song here first song here we're gonna do that's why i kind of said death metal uh, right. First song we're going to do here, um, a real good friend of mine, he's the best left-handed Southpaw guitar player I've ever played with in my life, uh, my buddy Glenn, and he talks about this style of music, the style of vocalization, we'll say. He yeah. says it's like Cookie Monster on Quaaludes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're talking about uh, Buried by Hostile Harmony, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the singer of that band, Andrew, is a really good dude. He's actually a producer himself, and uh, he... Um, I think he realized the benefit in having someone else 
help like an outside just an outside set of ears and he i don't know how long he's been singing this way all of a sudden one day he just sends me this stuff with this rip and vocal i'm like whoa man this is so amazing this this vocal just has this raw thing that i was like you gotta do something with this to go like will you help me absolutely so you helped because i mean there's a certain style that style whatever it is and i call it you know cookie monster on quaaludes but you make it I won't use the word pleasant, but you you make it listenable for a guy that doesn't listen to that style. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's there's a lot to do in that department to make that sort of thing work out. And I think sometimes the point of that music is to be grating. Yeah. And to and like the best emotional payoff of something like that sometimes is to be offensive. I think this one is not necessarily to be only aggressive sounding, but it's to be aggressive and also a little bit vulnerable. I think there's some o- emotional content in the lyrics that is better served by making the vocal um, not leaving it to be grating. And so there's there's some mix technique to do that. There's some in the, in the rest of the mix to make that happen. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely exactly what you're talking about. It's Cookie Monster on Quaaludes or um, if... But delightful. The, yeah. It's the sound of it's the sound of your voice the next morning after you uh, sang too much, and then that okay. thing just like spewing raw emotion, and that's yeah, that's Andrew's voice from from Hostile Harmony. At least to me, it is. Well, Hostile Harmony is the band. Buried is the name of the song, and Red Dot Recording is the place it got done. And we're gonna listen to it right now here on the Music of America podcast. In the name of Jesus, you be made whole by the power of God. Okay. Sorry,
song is called Buried. Our guest today, Tyler Pilot from Red Dot Recording in Bismarck, North Dakota. And we're going to talk about some more of his production skills and ideas and how they vary song to song. Growing up in St. Louis, the blues had been such a strong influence, has been and will be my entire life. In fact, one of the logos we use here on the Music of America podcast, you'll see this sepia-colored picture. It's the band called the Alabama Serenaders, goes back into the 30s. Well, right there in the middle of the Alabama Serenaders, on his knees with his clarinet pointing up to the gods, is my grandfather. Well, the Soulard Blues Festival, the B3 Blues Fest, really showcases that deep-rooted blues heritage. The B3 Blues Festival of St. Louis is an outdoor concert festival held in historic Soulard Market. Now, when you think of Soulard Market in St. Louis, think of Beale Street in Memphis, think of Rush Street in Chicago, think of Bourbon Street in New Orleans, and that's what you'll get in St. Louis at in the historic Soulard area, the Soulard District. And the B3 Blues Festival does just that. It, it showcases the area. It showcases the blues, blues acts, music, and industry workshops. They partner with vendors in and around the Soulard area. They have like quirky little arts and mu music craft vendors on hand, family activities, face painting, just a whole lot more. It's coming up. And to find out about it and find out about participating in shows in the future, you need to go to their website. It's Soulard, S-O-U-L-A-R-D, SoulardB3Fest.com. Coming this June and every June, as long as Dave Beardsley will allow it to happen. Dave Beardsley is a friend of mine. He's the guy that puts this thing on. He's just a, actually was a guest on the show a few months ago. And uh, he's just so into the blues and so into the blues heritage in St. Louis. Just to go to St. Louis, just to experience the B3 Blues Fest, uh, it's worth it's it's worth it, the the admission, which is free, and it's worth the cost of the airline ticket, which is not free. Anyway, <laughs> now you're rubbing off on me, Tyler. <laughs> Tyler oh, I mean, oh, rambling? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> My apologies. Well, I got a lot to say. It, it well, it it I have a lot to say because I love the stuff. Yeah, and it it's I could I could hear it from you, man. You love you love this. You love the music thing, and a lot of us like. A lot of people like it. A lot of people enjoy it. Oh, but those of us who love it, just like, it's kind of hard to contain it sometimes. You were talking about this blues festival, uh, Soulard, which is great. That's a, that's, is that, uh, is that a, is that somebody's name? Is that like a, the name of a region? Is that the it's name, the of, name park? of, so there was a, uh, there is an outdoor market, the Soulard mm. market. So farmers would come in and I don't know how it got its name originally, but people would come in, farmers would come in from around the area. And if they didn't get onto the barge in time to go down the river or go up the river on the Mississippi, they would sell their goods at the Soulard Market. Okay. Mm. And it just uh, became a place that people decided to live there as they, as, as the city grew, as cities grew back in the you know early 19th century and whatever. The farmers didn't want to farm anymore. They wanted to be more industrious. They wanted to maybe run a market to help the farmers or whatever. And from there, Soulard developed, and I don't know the whole history of it, but as I got uh, older, when I was a teenager, Soulard was not a really good place to be until some guys decided to revitalize this, the, you know, Scott Joplin and ragtime music was a big part of blues heritage. You know, Scott Joplin house is not far from Soulard. And mm -hmm. these guys just said, why don't we revitalize that heritage, that blues heritage of St. Louis? And this guy started a bar over here and this guy had one over here and this guy over here. And they had all these old turn of the century homes that were going for pennies on the dollar because they were just not taken care of very well. And people moved from 
other parts of the city into the Soulard area and develop this whole community that's vibrant with food, really good food and really good music and safe because, you know, some cities don't have a really good reputation, you know, but Soulard is a, is a safe place to go. They have, they have the second largest, I think, I think St. Louis has the second largest uh, Mardi Gras and the second or third largest St. Patrick's Day Parade. Wow. Yeah. What a combination, you know? No kidding, man. Those guys like to get down. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and then Seward's just like it. Like I said, it's a. Uh, if you go to Beale Street, you know, if you go to go to Memphis, you go on Beale Street. If you go to New Orleans, you're going to walk up and down Bourbon. If you go yep. to Chicago, you go to Rush Street. You know, yep. I'm a Midwestern, so those are the places I know. And I'm sure yeah, every community yeah. has them. You know, every community has them. Uh, you were saying earlier that uh, that your community is not that supportive of. It is now, but it wasn't when you first got started, I guess. And and what I'm hearing, because all week I've been talking to people in in North Dakota. Right. And I'm hearing how receptive people are in Fargo and Bismarck. Now, I don't know about the, the other towns outside of there, but right. they're really empowering to hear the musicians talk about those communities and the talent that that comes from and goes to that area or comes out yeah, of that area. Yeah. The, I think that North Dakota has a lot there. As with any place, there's the caveat, there are many issues. North Dakota, uh, one of the things I think North Dakota can be guilty of sometimes is really liking to stick with the things they know and really hesitating to give a chance to things they don't know. That has changed for the better, I think, in a, uh -huh. in in like the bigger the bigger towns in North Dakota. I would say cities other than Fargo's like 120,000 people. Bismarck's like where I am is like 70,000, but between Bismarck and its sister city, it's like 100,000 in the community. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're towns, they're cities, whatever you want to call them. But uh, in those places and in Minot, Minot's north of Bismarck, about 100 miles, there's like a really interesting DIY kind of community there where like a very close-knit like group of people that love to do new things and try new things. And there's a lot of cool artists up there. Yeah. Um, but I think outside of Minot, Bismarck, Fargo, you kind of really have a hard time getting any sort of momentum if you stay, if you limit what you're doing to those areas. Uh, a lot of people, in fact, I just worked with a band uh, from Stanley, North Dakota, like a little town of maybe, I don't even know. It's, I small. wouldn't even want to guess. It's, it's small. small. I'll call it. I'll call it like three thousand people. Okay. Um, those guys, yeah, they they're doing great now that they've decided to start playing in Bismarck and then they play in Fargo. It mm -hmm. seems like they're picking up a lot of momentum. Um, of course, I only hear about it from talking to them and seeing what they're doing. But going from playing two shows a year up in their town and then the towns around them to playing three shows a month in Bismarck and Fargo and in Grand Forks and Minot and those sorts of things. Like now it's turning into this thing that rolls a lot more. And if it, there's a lot more opportunity to be ambitious about it, which um, they maybe weren't able to before, um, mm -hmm. which actually, yeah, we did a, we did an EP with those guys, which is not the song we're going to listen to in a little bit, but we did an EP with those guys. And uh, I think the plan is maybe to do another one. I don't know. I can't speak to official plans yet, but yeah. um yeah, they they start seeing some momentum. They start seeing that people do appreciate cool stuff when it's done well and when it's it's got an idea. And they just have to go. I think this speaks to music as a larger 
thing is like sometimes you have to find your market and you have to find yeah. your audience. You can be if you're the greatest blues player in Kalispell, Montana, you're not going to have as much traction as if you go and hang out in uh, Chicago. Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Or, yeah. yeah. Or if, if you go to Chicago and, and you're one of people in the in the blues community, there's a lot more opportunity for traction there. Plus, right. you can go down to the Soulard and play there maybe too. A there little. you go. That's right. You but, get on the Highway 61, you just go from Chicago <laughs> into St. Louis, down to Memphis, into the Delta, and into New Orleans. You turn around, you come right back. Yeah, That's yeah, my yeah. favorite route, man. Highway 61, the blues route. Oh, oh, man. When a band comes to you, like we're going to hear a song called Write It Out. A band comes yep. to you and with their vision and their idea, do you say, well, let's do a whole album here? Or do they come to you and say, we want to do an album? Like, how does that uh -oh. come about? Do they say, I want to do an album? You say, let's make an EP or let's release a single first and see how that goes. Or do they already come with an idea and you just say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and give them what they ask for? Um. It is dependent on a lot of things and uh -huh. what I recommend for people. And I'm happy to help people make whatever they want to make. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to sit idly by while they kind of take shortcuts on songs or something like that. That's not something that's, that's, that's where I do intervene and be like, Hey, maybe let's, let's tweak this. But I don't want to tell people how to run their band, how to run their, essentially if they're ambitious about it, how to run their business. Yeah. But um, I recommend if you're looking to make a commercially viable product product man do i hate referring to music that way but if you're looking to make something commercially viable i don't think that coming out of the gate swinging with a full length is exactly the right way to go about doing that um and in fact it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that with this song that we're going to talk about in a minute um we're going to get there but i think what happens a lot of times especially for artists that don't have a ton of exposure yet is they put something out and they go, look at this amazing thing we've done. And it's got five songs that are amazing or 10 songs that are amazing or two songs that are amazing. And there's 10, 12 other songs on it. And they go, look at this amazing thing. We've put this single out and now here's the record. And it could be, it could be fantastic, but also it can kind of fall on deaf ears sometimes because you're not necessarily making enough noise for yourself. Yeah. Now on, on the other hand, if you do a single and then you do, a second single uh and then the first song is exclusively available only on Bandcamp, and then the second single is the first song on the new ep and then five months later you put out the first single for the next ep that's following up you can now talk about yourself way more often before yeah. your message becomes tiresome to your audience and so that's the thing i do recommend for uh -huh. artists a lot of times is find a way not necessarily to do an EP or do a bunch of singles or do an LP or whatever, but I'm like, I always encourage people to find a way to be visible and compelling and interesting to your audience as often as possible. If, if you they, look if, at, if they come to your studio though, they might say, Hey, we got like a dozen songs here. Yep. You might say, let's do three and release them like this. And you'll offer marketing ideas. Again, it's their uh, business. It's their business. Right. They'll do it how they want to. But you'll offer your experience on how this has worked in the past with this particular sound or this particular band or this particular market. Right. 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 It's I offer I offer suggestions on how I think and how the patterns I see play out play out 
the most advantageously for the band. And sometimes yeah. that means we make a record or we make an EP or we make whatever it is. And they kind of sit on it for a while until the right time to bam, 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 roll it out. Yeah. And so if somebody comes to me with one song, uh, then we'll do one song. If they come to me with 12 songs, uh, 12 songs is a huge project. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's making a record is often more time consuming. And because of that time kind of cost dollar consuming, yeah. um, then I think a lot of people realize. So I always have the discussions about what are we trying to do? And in order to get there, here's how much that tends to look like um, as far as Costco. Um, I really try to keep my costs down uh, because I'm an artist too. And I, until I was basically doing music full-time as a producer and as an engineer, I was trying to make my own records and try to like have people help me make mine and like try right. to make, turn mine into something that worked. Uh, so I understand the plight of a, of a musician, right? Do you, um, get an so artist, do you get an artist that might come in and, and say, I just want to do a song and you hear something there and say, I need to get some pickers in here. I need to get some horns in here. I need to get some drums in here and fill this out. And then do you have those resources at your fingertips to bring those people in to fill out that sound that you heard from that man or woman's uh, song? Uh, short answer. Yes. Those sorts of things happen pretty regularly um, because what we were talking about a little bit ago, which songs that are being heard by the artists as they're playing them rather than from a, the perspective of a listener. Um, this finishing off the last, the last answer is uh -huh. yes, I'm trying to help them accomplish whatever they're going for. And whether that's a big project or a small project we're we're trying, I'm, I'm trying to give them back the thing they want. That's most effective for their goal. Um, yeah. I'm never going to tell someone we can't do four songs because I think you should only do one. If they come in and they don't have four songs in a spot that's ready, mm -hmm. um, I'll say these four songs aren't ready. How do you want to handle that? Do you want to work this out here in the studio? Do you want to go away and uh, and come back, come back another time, come back yeah. when they're ready, or do we want to? I could send these demos to an artist or, or to another player and say, "Can you play drums in this? Our drummer for this song or for this band it doesn't quite know how to pull it off yet uh, because drums are a physical instrument. There takes an actual mm -hmm. physical performance of it. Um, this maybe uh, one of the guys I know is kind of just a ripper." doesn't inexplicably just crazy good you hand him something and he goes yeah okay i got this and then a couple hours later you have an amazing performance that um maybe the first drummer couldn't have gotten to in a week so yes to answer your second question then <laughs> sorry i'm just tying them together uh right. to answer your second question yeah that's something i actually don't do a ton i tend to work with artists that have things more filled out yeah. and more kind of they have the membership to execute what they're doing not all the time i'm a guitar player and bass player kind of by i guess by most recent that's what i did most recently in bands i guess as i played yeah. guitar or bass uh i started on drums a million years before that and then before that i started playing trombone and so like I, i've got all these different ways of executing music in my back pocket yeah. I can play some keyboardy, piano-y things. Um, so people come to me and say, this isn't done yet. Can you help us finish it? And sometimes that just means contributing to the arrangement. Sometimes yeah. that means sending off to somebody who I know is an excellent backup vocalist and say, hey, can you write for us harmonies on this song? Because 
my harmonies I'm writing, I don't like, and your voice is amazing. Can you write them and sing them? And like, let's get you in the studio, that sort of thing. Yeah. So a lot of these things end up happening. So on this next song we're talking about, Kyle Wells is write it out. Kyle Wells is a country guy. He look, runs or runs a farm yeah. and, uh, uh, makes music sometimes. Uh, and the songs are really good. And, um, he came to me with a full length and said, I want to do this full length. And I said, great. I want to help you do your full length. Are the songs done? Well, um, these songs are mostly done. These songs are done. I need lead guitars on these ones. Ah, now that I hear it back, I don't like those lead guitars on that one. So what can we do? So I reached out to a couple of guys in my community that I know. Um, a guy named Clint Morgenstern is a really cool guitar player. Um, he played some leads on some stuff. I ended up playing some leads on stuff. And I think on Ride It Out, I think, I think that's my guitar, like my lead guitar parts. Maybe oh, some of the plants. Hard to know. Hard to know. <laughs> it's because the thing is, is I make a lot of stuff, so I don't really write down everything of what I did on every song right, um, right. because I'm always just like serving the song. Essentially. Um, I'm just a song guy. I just like songs. So anyway, write it out. Um, he brought to me in a mostly complete form. And when we got through this, the record a little bit, he's, we started talking a little bit about, well, what do you think? Should I do one single? Should I do two singles? And like, I think you should make as much noise as you can about this. He goes, well, some of these songs have been released before. Great re-release those songs as an updated thing make a special package and sell it on Bandcamp or on like at live shows yeah. do something to make this initial thing the reissue of the initial thing better because it sounds a lot better your performances are a lot better mm -hmm. make that special make a lot of noise for yourself and then when people kind of come on and go oh yes we love this song it sounds so much better now we're so happy that you're doing this and playing more shows again you go by the way here's the new single of yeah. a song you haven't heard yet and here's another new single from a song you haven't heard yet. Oh, here's the whole new EP. And so he's able to snowball that into more momentum, more shows, more purchases, more streams mm -hmm. than he was right. able to get prior to that. Um, just because with some with some thinking and some realizing of how to get his market most invested. But it's kind of cool that that's how you have positioned yourself. Again, you know, you're not just a recording studio. I mean, you, you really help market the songs you help give them insights to perpetuate sure. their art and i think that's fabulous and that's uh, not everybody does that that that's one of those things that will set you apart from these other well, i'll say we, studios with quotes around them because there are studios that have quotes around them <laughs> sure yeah yeah well i've worked with those guys uh yeah. so that was part of why i was doing it myself um yeah. but also the caveat is of course i don't know I, I can see some patterns and yeah. I think I know what I'm doing with those sorts of things. And I can like listen to experts talk about it and listen to people who have broken small bands into big bands as far as broken them into the ma mainstream consciousness. Yeah. I've seen small bands do things that made them disappear. I've seen people have regional success. I've seen people have larger success and you can kind of look at how they do it and draw some conclusions. But yeah. every every band and every artist and every market is there's differences in the way they need to execute that. But the, I think the simple fact of making yourself visible and to the people who were most likely to love you, I think that's a pretty, pretty standard idea that 
I think is easy to forget. And so in Cal's case, Hey man, these people are busy people. They're not going to sit down and listen to a full record. If you want them to love your stuff, give them an opportunity to give love them, it all. Give them a reason and then give them the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the song absolutely. is called, the song is called write it out. Right. Yep. And the artist, uh, Kyle Wells, Kyle Wells. And he's on red dot records. Ah, I, I, is, is that what he put in there? <laughs> no. I, I oh, no, I, I don't run a label, but I guess, oh, goodness, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other ballpark. Maybe, maybe that's another conversation for another show. Oh, no. <laughs> Talk to me in a year. I'll have more to rant about that. Let's listen our, to Kyle. Our guest is Tyler Pilot from Red Dot Recording, and here's another one of the songs he's produced, and it's called Write It Out here on the Music of America podcast. Start the bug. Gotta run. 
That song is called Write It Out, produced by Red Dot Recording, our guest today here on the Music of America podcast. We'll get back to talk to Tyler, the producer, Tyler Pilot, uh, in just a moment. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine about my brother's couple's workbook called Two Years After Forever. It's sort of a how-to guide to improve your communication skills, which, as anyone knows, in any relationship is crucial. So we spoke a little later in the conversation. I mentioned the book again. I said, so two years after forever. That's the name of the book I told you my brother wrote. And she interrupts me. She goes, oh, wait, your brother's book. I thought you meant a book that you borrowed from your brother. Three little words, my brother's book. Two different interpretations. Well, in the book, two years after forever, there are exercises that help you form better communicative skills to avoid pratfalls like that when along with your partner, learning and applying these exercises help you get back on track to why two years ago, you pledged your life together forever. Two years after forever. Two years after forever.com available at Amazon today and forever. We're going really long here, Tyler, because that's what happens when I, we find a hot and interesting subject that I, 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 I don't want to interrupt you because it's so good. It's so interesting. But we yeah, do have long-winded. We got to get into one more song. And this song is called Wilderness. You wanted to do we had about five or six to choose from. You picked this one out because this one was actually done. Yeah, it was all recorded uh and um recorded here with me. The other okay. two, the uh there were elements or most of it that were recorded somewhere else and sent to me. And I kind of had some interactions helping them finish the song that way uh-huh. online. This one, the guys flew in from Tennessee. Uh, I'd worked with them on a few other projects previously. So they were like, well, we're just going to go out and do it. They came in for like eight days straight and we took a pile of songs and uh, executed them, made some revisions. We wrote, rewrote some vocals, we wrote some lyrics. We, uh, um got most of it done and then they went away and we did some of the rest of it they tracked bass on their own at at the end uh i tracked some extra vocals and some extra guitars afterwards when they when they were home and yeah we just ended up taking something a set of songs that they showed up with Uh and with the the intention of this band was we have these songs it's time for us to release a big piece rather than something smaller to release smaller pieces talking Mm -hmm. about eps or lps earlier right it was time for them to make that artistic statement. And so they came to me and I helped them organize their thoughts, uh, which they had a lot of good thoughts, figure that like finish the songs and we tracked it all. And we would wake up at 8 AM and track drums by nine uh, or start drums by nine. And then uh, Paul, the band has two members, Paul, the drummer would be kind of tapped out about two in the afternoon. And then um, Brian would come in and we would track some guitars and some vocals and we'd stay up, way later than is humanly uh healthy so to finish that (laughs) and because we only had seven days before those guys had to fly back so we got a ton done in that time and um we ended up with some really cool songs helped them expand their sound from what they were previously to something a little bit more built out and larger and uh just what they said they wanted to do so it's it's cool to help a band kind of like make a statement and like and and nail the mark and, and so and, and, then what that, and what that tells me is that you'll deal with customers all over the country you know yeah absolutely people just gotta uh, get there yeah or they or we help them online figure out how to make their recording of themselves or help them work with a studio in town to track things and uh-huh. then send to me so that i can mix or 
make some revisions to and send back or all those sorts of things. Yeah, there's right. ways we could definitely make that happen. And it's something I've done a ton of. Um, local work's cool. Local yeah. artists, some of the artists around here are really, really great. Oh, my Lord. Uh, also, other stuff from other places is really cool, too. So I'm happy to help out uh, with people whenever, whatever way I can, I guess. It's just a good way to say it. Uh, so uh, who who recorded the song? Who is Wilderness? Is the mic Oh, the name of the band is called The Half That Matters. And I have no idea what the origin of their name is. Um, but The Half That Matters is the name of the band. And Wilderness is, I think, a song title that stuck after a lyric tweak ended up with that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, there's... Um, there's a vocal part in there that sounds a little bit like um, a wolf kind of howling through some trees and it oh, felt wow. very wild and, and you'll, you'll hear it. Yeah. Um, and maybe you won't, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're all just uh, sleep deprived and delirious, but uh, <laughs> it was really cool to work with those guys. And the, the guitar player showed up with like a pedal and a guitar in two pieces and the drummer yeah. sent his throne and kick pedals. And then is the rest of my gear and, Made a record and I sent those guys home and then we finished it afterwards. So it was cool. it was a really cool experience. So this is the finished product, right? This is one of the yeah. This okay. is one of the finished songs. And the song is called Wilderness by the Half That Matters, produced again by Red Dot Recording here on the Music of America podcast. Yes. 
Peace of mind will only come if you seek it So find it Finally find what you're looking for Ascend the mountains, break through the trees Peace of mind will only come if you seek it So find it Finally find what you're looking for Ascend the mountains, break through the trees Peace of mind will only come if you seek it So find it Finally find what you're looking for Red Dot recording from Bismarck, North Dakota Here on the Music of America podcast I'm your host Tom Pollard saying goodbye to this gentleman has been with us all day today, Tyler Pilot And uh, Tyler, this segment of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion Well, the show's kind of been self-promotion because it's about your studio and what you do and what you can do but take the next couple of minutes and just tell us about you and how we can support you to continue to do that which you love so much Mm, okay uh so i guess the the bottom line is this is there are a lot of people who make a lot of or who are writing a lot of really amazing songs and some people are really ambitious and they have these big goals. And some people have goals that are like art. And some people, they want to make this art piece or they want to grow their band or whatever those sorts of things. are. The fo- My focus as a recording studio and as an engineer and as um, a musician myself is to help ambitious people make their best record. And if that ends up being a few really great records, that's really awesome. Uh, I'm I'm most interested in helping people make the coolest thing they can possibly make, and sometimes that means they want it to be the catchiest thing they can they can make, or sometimes it's the weirdest thing they can make. Um, I think it's important to help people say the thing they want to say, and I think I'm uniquely positioned because I'm a songwriter, and that's been my background, and that's how I got into this whole thing is fulfilling my songs, and then people asking me to help fulfill theirs. So. Um, whether you're working with me or somebody else, uh, find someone who helps you, who matches your ambition and can help you execute your, your art. The worst thing you can do is go to a producer who is trying to make his record or her record when you're trying to make yours. The way to get a hold of me, if you want me to help you make your record, uh, I have a website. It's red.rec.com, R-E-D-D-O-T-R-E-C.com. And uh, if you look up red underscore dot underscore rec on on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you will find me there. Those are the two best places to get a hold of me. Um, The that stuff all needs more updating. I've been super busy in the studio. And in fact, as soon as we get off of this, I have to do some more work. But um, those are the ways to get a hold of me. If you are looking to make your most interesting and coolest record. Um, and and this is the guy. This is the guy you want because this guy is taking time out of his workday to do a podcast and going right back into it. And you know, this is tape delayed, but they don't know how late it is. And you got work to do. Yeah. And and you know, that's it's that's, Tom. It's been really nice talking to you, but I got to get out of here, man. I understand. You, you got to go eat some supper, <laughs> and right. I have more stuff to do. <laughs> there we go. Tyler Pilot from Red Dot Recording, our guest here today on the Music of America podcast. Up next. We're headed to Ohio. 
You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America. Thank you.